This is a poem called To Florida. It's a long poem. It has several stanzas dedicated to our nature and our culture, but right now I'd like to read you the last stanza. It reads the following. I have loved many lands and loved them well. Because I have loved them, I have tried to tell the story of their beauty to responsive ears. Now I shall tell your story through the years. As bit by bit I learn your saga song, so I will pass its melodies along. That is a poem by a man named Don Blanding. It's from his book, Floridays, spelled in such a way where the last half of the title is D-A-Y-S, as in days. It's full of such poems focusing on nature and water and the natural splendor of it all. Blanding was clearly devoted to the world around him, enjoying the aesthetics and hoping to share them through his words, not just the visuals, but the sensations, the feelings. Florida became his favorite subject, but he cut his teeth as a poet in an entirely different yet closely connected state to us, Hawaii. Blanding was born in Oklahoma, trained to be a journalist in Chicago, served in the U.S. Army during World War I, and eventually found himself living in Honolulu by 1921. He had lived on the island previously and had fallen in love. Once free from service, he found himself back in the tropical getaway. He put his writing skills to good work and started writing poems for advertising purposes in the Honolulu Star Bulletin. He wrote the kind of flowery and saccharine poetry about the beauty of Hawaii that built its profile as a paradise for those Americans who could afford a visit. His work was prominent enough that he soon became known as the Poet Laureate of Hawaii, which admittedly is a strange title for a non-Hawaiian in a place facing loads of colonialist plight at that time, but I digress. He went on to publish those early marketing poems and published four books in the 20s. It brought him to high prominence as a writer, but the isolation of the Hawaiian Islands became a problem for him. He married in 1940, and they together soon moved to a different tropical getaway, Southern Florida. The next year, he published his one and only book about our state, Florida Days. Here is the poem where the title originates, set as the dedication to the book. A book of sounds and scents and sights, of flora days and flora nights, flora stars and flora moons, and flora suns of flora noons, flora fragrance on the breeze and blended blues of flora seas, patterns drawn with pen and words of flora folks and flora birds, an hour of friendly chit and chat of flora this and flora that, with pictures when you care to look, I hope you like this flora book. The book is filled with little quirky verses like this, along with a beautiful black and white sketch by Blanding on every page. Many of the poems are simply titled, named for just the bird or plant or ecosystem that has inspired the creation before you. There's a poem called Flamingos, one called Cypress Knees, another called Pelican, another called Tarpon. Some read like fables, like one called Love in the Everglades, which tells the story of a romance between two alligators. Many of them deal with local culture, speaking on music or storytelling or the heat of Miami's bustling community. Some are even funny, like a poem called Chorus of Welcome. It's dedicated to the tourists. It lists the bountiful variety of tourists that arrive to our shores every year. The shortest poem in the book is a two-line piece titled Veto. It reads, quote, There's a law of nature I'd like to veto. It's the life and love of the blank mosquito. End quote. The blank there, one can presume, should be replaced with a certain 
expletive, but Blanding leaves it to the imagination. That's the kind of work you can find in his book. Blanding also finds a lot of heartache in his poems. There's a lot of melancholy in his work. It almost feels that Blanding wishes he could bottle Florida and send it to people. He wishes the beauty didn't fade when you looked away. He wishes it was easier to enjoy for longer. While there's peace and humor and adoration in his words, one poem called Seminoles cuts to the core of something that clearly was troubling him as a poet. He had come to Florida late in life and lived along our southern shores, and he soon learned of the injustices that had befallen the Seminole people and the tribes before them. The final line of that poem reads, quote, There is no peace in our gifts. There is death in our friendship. End quote. Despite all the beauty he was savoring, he saw the pain that filled the world he had fallen in love with. The book does not release us from either of those ideas. In 1986, almost 30 years after Blanding's passing in 1957, Jimmy Buffett dedicated an album to Don Blanding. The title track and the album it was released on was called Floridays. Back to live in Florida. Blue skies and ultraviolet rays. Looking for a better day. I'm back to live in Florida. Blue skies and ultraviolet rays. Looking for a better day. Looking for a better day. Looking for a better day. Looking for Florida. Today, there is only one place where you can pick up a new copy of Floridays. It's in the cozy shelves of a tiny bookshop on the Atlantic coast, just south of the town of Stewart. It's called Florida Classics Library, and they are on a unique mission to preserve the lost books of Florida history, to save them from the brink of extinction, and to ensure that some writers do not fade away. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, The Shop of Lost Books, how one family protects and preserves publications that have nearly faded from memory and work every day to keep them alive. This story begins in the Altamont Springs Public Library. It's a little building, only a handful of shelves, but it is nearly always populated by folks reading in big comfy chairs or doing work on the computers. It was there that I discovered an odd book, Tales of Old Florida. It was hardcover and dense, clearly wrinkled along the edges. Inside, it was not a singular story by any means. It was instead a collection of magazine and newspaper stories from near the turn of the century. The oldest is from 1870, and the most recent is from 1911. These stories are old, but somebody sometime decided to preserve these little narratives. They have some quaint titles. Turtling in Florida, the city of the pelicans, on no-name key, in a grove of oranges. I checked the book out immediately and soon read a story called Crossing the Everglades in a Powerboat by a man named A.W. Dimmick. I actually used that story as a jumping-off point for an episode about two years ago now called Oil and the Everglades Part 2. I talked about A.W.'s son, Julian, who was one of the first photographers to take portraits of the Seminoles living in the Everglades during the early 20th century. Naturally, I was in love with this odd little book, and when I had to return it to the library, I was sad to see it go. It is a strange thing, a time capsule of stories that clearly someone wanted to preserve, but I could not own it for myself. 
I wanted my own copy, but I couldn't seem to find a good distributor. Then a similar thing happened with Don Blanding's work. It was May, I was in week five of quarantine, and I was enjoying reading the fragments of work I could find by Blanding on the internet. I mean, if Jimmy Buffett knew who he was, this man had to be important, his books had to be somewhere. Finally, I found a distributor. I don't normally do this, but I bought the book through Amazon. A cardinal sin if you're an independent bookstore lover, but I couldn't seem to find it anywhere else. When my copy of Flora Days arrived, however, there was a note inside. It was from the owners of Florida Classics Library, who I had bought the book from via Amazon. It was a request. If you would like to buy more from our shop, head on over to our website and buy from us directly. I appreciated the message, swore to do so in the future, and devoured the book. Then, a month or so later, on a cloudy Saturday in June, I went to Sea Branch Preserve State Park in search of gopher tortoises for the Season 4 episode exploring their unique place in our ecosystem. Once I was done with the hike, sweaty and covered in dirt, I set off for a quick bite to eat, only to have myself fly off the road when I saw a sign next to a beautiful white building. It read Florida Classics Library, the same people that had just sold me my poetry book. I drove into the parking lot, threw on my mask, and burst through the door. Inside was Julie Alexander, who was extremely friendly and was as stunned by the coincidence as I was. While mulling around the store and chatting with Julie, I spotted a book on her shelf. Tales of Old Florida, that strange library book, but now it was in paperback and it looked like a brand new copy. Julie told me that the original publishers of the book stopped printing that version in hardcover and stopped distributing the book altogether. Her shop actually picked up the rights to publish the book and now sold paperback copies, alongside paperback copies of Don Blanding's poetry book, Floridays. I immediately bought a copy of Tales of Old Florida alongside another book that we will come back to and departed, promising to return to tell their story. So early last month, that is exactly what I did. Folks, I'd like you to meet my new friend, Julie Alexander. I am Julie Alexander, and we are at Florida Classics Books and Gifts, and also we have a company called Florida Classics Library Publishing. You are in Hope Sound, Florida? Well, Hope Sound is not even a city. It's unincorporated. Uh, it's in Martin County. It's very little, and uh, it has a lot of historical value. Hope Sound, spelled exactly like hope but with a B, has a fascinating origin. It was originally populated by a group of indigenous peoples that had identified themselves as the Jaga people, or the Jaga people, J-A-E-G-A. -E when a ship from Jamaica commanded by a man named Jonathan Dickinson wrecked just off the coast due to a hurricane, their crew met the people that were already living on the land and they did not take kindly to the Englishmen who had just appeared on their shores. They said they were in a place called Hobe, spelled at that time J-O-B-E. When the English sailors were allowed to leave and headed for St. Augustine, they then identified the city by the name the indigenous peoples had called it, Hobe, now called Hobe Sound. If you want to read more about Jonathan Dickinson and his trials and tribulations in this area along the Atlantic coast, well, you can read the book, Jonathan Dickinson's Journal, which you can buy right where it is published, here at Florida Classics Library. It was actually the first book that they published at this company. And it's a great local story. It actually has to do with uh, Jonathan Dickinson in the late 1600s. Uh, was on a ship called the Reformation, and that ship got hit by a hurricane, 
and uh, came ashore and sunk right two miles north of Hope Sound. That book was printed by Yale University. It was going out of print and Yale University actually called Val and said, we have 600 copies left. We're not gonna reprint this book anymore. Do you want them? And because it's local history, he said, I want them all. So he got the 600 copies. And as he got down further and further, he said, he called Yale University back and he said, I want to reprint this book. And so began the Florida Classics Library publishing. The he in that story is actually Julie's uncle, a man named Valentine Martin, but everybody just calls him Val. He is the founder of Florida Classics Library. And my uncle is Valentine Martin, and today um, he is 88 years old, and he's been in the book business since the 50s. Uh, his parents owned the first bookstore in Hollywood, Florida. And so he decided to go out on his own in the late 50s, and he came up uh, to this area in Stewart, and he opened the first bookstore in Stewart. Val is actually in the building when I came to visit. He is an older man wearing a blue face mask and a vibrant green knit sweater draped over him. Val is doing business for the shop actually right now as Julie and I talk, packing up books so they can be dropped off at the post office and sent into the world. He greets me when I enter, grinning from his desk, and when he's done preparing the books, he departs. A couple of other people came into the shop while Julie and I were talking. You may hear them distantly in the background. They are locals in town who are doing research on their own book and are actually picking up copies of books from the store to sell in their shops in the area. Julie tells the tale of how this shop came to be. It started with Val in Stewart in the early 60s, opening up a shop called Valentine's Books. Val then expanded, adding a record store in another part of Stewart. It was while working in the book industry that he started collecting up these dying books, these near-forgotten tales, and began meeting some of the most famous writers in all of Florida, but we'll come back to that later. He started publishing in 1974 with the aforementioned Jonathan Dickinson's journal. He operated that way for almost 20 years, only to pick up and move to the current location in Hobe Sound, where they have been since 1993. Today, Julie really runs the shop and has so for many years. She retired from a career in retail a few years ago, and after years of visiting her uncle's shop here in South Florida, she decided to take up the task of supporting the store. One day, I was on my way from Orlando. I had, a, I had sisters that still lived in South Florida and a stepmom, and I was on my way to visit them. And I said, you know what? I had just come back to Florida in 2007 after being gone for 20 something years. And I said, I really need to stop and see my uncle. And so I stopped at his house on a Sunday and we chatted for about three hours. And he was at a point uh, in, and this was probably about 15 years ago. Uh, he was at a point where he really didn't know what to do with a business and he had had all the vandalism happen and he's like what am i going to do the building we are sitting in is a beautiful white stone and stucco structure several levels with a mural painted by julie on one outside wall there's a beautiful little garden out front with flowers and pots and signs in the mulch back when it was originally opened it was pretty much the only thing around here and honestly it still kind of is 
It is just off A1A, which runs mostly parallel with the railroad. There's residential streets nearby, but this is still a fairly isolated spot between Stewart and Jupiter. Back when the shop was first open in the 90s, they faced all sorts of trouble in town, especially from vandalism by kids in the area. It was hard, and after years of trying to manage both sides, publishing and selling, it was wearing him down as he got older. So when Julie came to visit in the mid-aughts, they found they shared an interest in bringing the store into the 21st century. Oh, and he had told me that some of the vendors uh, for the publishing side were starting not to do business with him anymore because he had no computer and he did everything by fax and phone. Mm. And in fact, one of our one of the largest vendors that we had at the time was Barnes and Noble, mm. and they said we're not going to do business with you anymore. So he tells me that story, and I said, well, I'm back in Florida, and let me think about what I can do to help you. And I own a computer, and maybe I can help you with these vendors. So before Julie had even retired from her job, she was still working at that time. She would get emails from vendors requesting books. She would then fax them to Val, who would then fulfill the orders and send them out into the world. That eventually led to the creation of their website, which obviously expanded their business. There you can grab any of the books that they have published. In the back of the store, there is now a room full, ceiling to floor, of brown boxes with their books inside. Whatever you need from their collection, they've got it there. They also sell other classic books, books by famous Florida authors that they do not publish themselves, but they sell alongside their own books. And how their current collection came to be is a series of right time, right place encounters. See, Val was selling books all over Florida. So were these other booksellers, many of whom were authors out in the world trying to get their books out there into readers' hands. Val was selling many of said books, loved them, and then at book shows would run into the authors themselves. For example, Julie tells me about Theodore Pratt. Pratt moved to Florida in his 30s in 1934. He wrote dozens of novels, many of which are set in Florida. Many of his novels have been adapted into movies, which we'll have to return to sometime in the future because it's just too interesting. We can't fit it into this episode. One such movie adapted to film was The Barefoot Mailman, which is one of the novels that is now published by Florida Classics Library. It's a fictionalized version of a real story where, from 1885 to 1892, several mailmen traveled through the Florida wilderness, especially on the beaches between Palm Beach and Miami, to deliver mail to those who lived there. Again, a really fascinating tale, but again, another story for another time. If you want to read Pratt's version of the story, you can get it at Florida Classics Library alongside his other books, The Flame Tree, which tells of Palm Beach in the era when Flagler helped develop the city, and The Big Bubble, which covers the Florida land boom in the 20s. Val met Theodore Pratt at an event before Pratt passed away in 1969. Pratt made a deal. He'd give Val the barefoot mailman if he also took The Flame Tree and The Big Bubble. Val took the deal, and all three shine from the shelves in his store to this day. They also have the paperback copyright to Everglades River of Grass, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas's famous treatise on the Florida Everglades. While the book didn't come to their store in quite the same way as Pratt's books, there is still a personal family connection to it, and Julie says it's her favorite in the collection. 
Is there a book in the ones that you sell that you have a special affinity towards? Is there one that you really feel, that you really like? I know you probably love all of them, but is there one that you keep coming back to? Uh, Everglades River of Grass. Yeah. Marjorie Silman Douglas's book. Yeah. I was born in Miami in Coral Gables. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my mom actually knew Marjorie Silman Douglas. And because my, my mom um, was a big fan also naturalist, environmentalist, uh, and she was born and raised in Hollywood, Florida. And she, she started also trying to pursue saving the Everglades in, in the 60s. Uh, and because of all the development and everything, she ended up becoming friends and knowing Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Being born and raised in Florida, one of the biggest, most I would say amazing things that we have is the Everglades and her fight to save the Everglades is just the most incredible story. To be sitting and chatting with someone whose mother knew Marjorie, that's just a lot to take in. She is Florida royalty. But it makes sense. This family has been passionate about the Everglades for generations now and they lived right where Marjorie was at the same time. Val is so devoted to conservation of the Everglades that he even published a book called South Florida in Peril, which is, no joke, pages and pages of government reports about the dredging of the Everglades. I bought it immediately. The original document was published in 1911, and Julie tells me that, though it can be a very intense read, sometimes that level of transparency is important to protecting our ecosystem. One of the passions of my Uncle Val, along with my mom, is the Everglades, mm -hmm. and because they grew up in South Florida. And Val became a real uh, environmentalist and fight, help fight. He's friends of the Everglades. Mm -hmm been involved with them. Uh, he saw this and was very concerned that people didn't know about that book and didn't know about the whole history of what happened. So he decided to get the rights to print that book, which is a government document about how all the canals and everything in the state were created and which sucked up all the water. And it's that book that actually brought me back to Florida Classics Library. You know, Don Blanding brought me here in the first place. He kind of introduced me to Florida Classics Library. Val got the rights to Floridays, by the way, because Blanding had lived right nearby during his lifetime, and Val wanted to preserve this special local work. Then when I discovered the strange collection of stories, Tales of Old Florida, I felt like I had discovered something special. An interesting thing about that book was that it was actually the first book that Julie herself published while working for Florida Classics Library. But it's that book, South Florida in Peril, that's literally just a government document that brought me back. I, I say this with a lot of love. It takes a ton of confidence to publish a book that is quite literally a government document with no extra flavor. I own a copy myself now with a curled up gator on the cover. It's the kind of book that only a really passionate nerd would even be interested in in the first place, but Val knew that he wanted to preserve that story. He wanted to amplify it. And it's not just amplification, it's preservation. Julie puts it like this. Well, the biggest thing is I don't want the book to die. I don't want the story to die. I've never even considered that a book could die. I don't think anyone could deny that there is something really tragic there. The idea that something as significant as that could just fade 
away. In the back of the Florida Classics shop, they have a collection of books that are on the brink, ones that are not for sale, ones that they have just been collecting. These are some of the last remaining copies in the world. This is our collection of books that are out, some are out of print. Wow, that's a big bookshelf. Yeah, this is our, and then some of our original books are here. I'm gonna bring this over here. <laughs> this, that's a lot of books. <laughs> These are either originals of the books or one copy of what we have in our, in our publishing. Well, I see pieces anyway. of eight down there on the bottom yes. shelf, which I know you guys publish now. Yes. But like, are those original, like out of print copies? Yes. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Yes, they're originals from the um, first editions. Uh, uh, this is going to sound extremely dramatic. Yes. But like, this is literally like this is like a treasure trove, or even oh, just yeah. like a, like a sacred protected collection. Does that make sense? Like, yes. I may be being a little dramatic, but it's hard to not feel that way. At the back of the shop, past the paintings that hang on the wall, and the topographic maps sold in stacks, and the new books lined high in one tall bookshelf, there is this old collection, which is, in many ways, the last stop for many Florida books. Some may be in libraries or private collections still, but this bookshelf is a time capsule, a little preservation system, bound and determined to keep these books alive in some form or another. Because as Julie puts it, she does not want the stories to die. Before I left, I bought myself a copy of The Barefoot Mailman alongside a little pulp novel also by Theodore Pratt. It's called Mercy Island, one of the rare vintage books for sale here. All the new editions of these classic books are sharp in clean paperback with vibrant color. But this book I grabbed, it's old. The edges of its pages are painted green. They smell exactly like the old books that you were forced to read in elementary school out of some old box. And though the spine is cracked, the color is faded, and the binding is barely holding the pages together, the words are still contained within, resting now on my desk as I write. I'd like to think I'm doing my part in Julie's quest to keep these books from dying. She hopes more shops like hers could open statewide where other passionate Florida history lovers could save their local stories from extinction and bring them back. As for her shop, she hopes that her nieces and nephews will pick up the torch and continue the work that Val started so many years ago. Until then, whether you're looking for some classic poetry, some fictionalized history, a government report on the Everglades, or even the words of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas herself, Florida Classics Library is right where they've been, waiting for you to come and help keep the story alive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I'm so glad that you are here. If you are brand new to this show, or even if this is your first episode, welcome. There are some amazing stories waiting for you in the back catalog. If you're looking for a good place to jump in, you don't need to go all the way back to the beginning. I've written about plenty of authors in my time with this show. I've written about, of course, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, about Zora Neale Hurston, about Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings. If you want to check out any of those, there are links in the description below. If you did enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review below. It helps the show become more visible, and it means the world to me. 
You can also find me and share the episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod. If you want to send me a message, you can do so at WFMPod at gmail.com, and you can check out my personal account on Twitter at WFMNick. Look forward to hearing from you. I'd like to give a very special thank you to Julie Alexander from Florida Classics Library for giving me a chance to come and visit and chat with her about the store. Florida Classics Library is doing the good work. And if you want to pick up a copy of any of the books we talked about in this episode, there is a link to their website below. All the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find more of their fabulous music at the link in the description as well. Alright, I don't normally have two bonus episodes in the same season, but hey, there's a lot of stories to tell. So, for Friday, I'm going to give you a bonus episode that is, frankly, a love letter to the independent bookstore. There are so many in Florida that I truly love, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about them and where you can find them in Friday's bonus episode. Alright, I'll see you then. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself, be good to others, wear a mask when you go outside, and please, drink more water. Have a good week. See you Friday.